0: And Martin Paloma.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Money Podcast. About the Pinnacle, Pinnacle, and Paloma I'm I'm with me to today as to well. We'll talk about uh, some GDP news that Martin was just telling me about. Probably are going to mention COVID at some point because there's all sorts of talks about shutdowns again and lockdowns and mass mandates, and seems to be a different reaction from the populace this time around. So we'll talk about those things. Whatever else happens to uh, to strike us. Ted Lasso Season 2 is out. I haven't watched yet. I'm kind of saving a couple of, of – I'm, I'm trying to kind of wait till I get to a place where I can watch a couple of episodes at once, which might be this weekend. So kind of pumped about that. Want to get Martin's thoughts there. So we'll get to a lot of stuff. First, I want to tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi. 662 257 that number. Um uh, – We talk about economics and things on this show and uh, one of the uh, principal basic like economics 101 is supply and demand. And for a long time, Martin, there's been very
2: little supply because of what happened with COVID. Correct. That will continue. That trend will continue. And uh, there's been a lot of demand. And that trend will continue also.
1: The good news, specifically pertaining to Clark Ford at least, can't speak for everyone else or for all other uh, <laughs> economic markets. But at Clark Ford, they actually have some supply right now. They actually have some trucks on the lot. A lot of people have been wanting to get a Ford F-150. Well, they have a few of them now. Hadn't been able to say that for a little bit. It's been a weird uh, year in the car market. So they're there, six six two two five seven nineteen hundred. If you're interested in one, or in any other Ford product, whether it's an Explorer or a Focus or whatever, get in touch with Corey, ask for a quote. He'll give you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, the rest is up to you. You can shop it around elsewhere, use it as a gauge. Again, he already spent his 15 minutes. That's cool. Or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you at least consider doing, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll absolutely love the service. You won't get better service than the service you get at Clark Ford. 662-257-1900. And, Martin, before we
2: get rolling with today's show, tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle. Yeah, man. I, I, man, I might need to give Corey a call. Uh, I'm I'm kind of bumping up on – anyway, well, that's a, we can talk about that offline. offline. Um, Man, we uh, Pinnacle, we are continuing uh, right through the middle of our conversion, man. And uh, it's 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 really it's really kind of exciting times here. It's been a lot of work. Um, and you know, I'm also grateful too that markets have cooperated uh, for us and for our clients uh, during all this because it has been uh, we 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 started our conversion from our uh, to our new custodian with Charles Schwab and transforming Pinnacle Trust, uh, you know, into Pinnacle Wealth, um, this summer. And that has been, it's been a lot of work. It's been, you know, some unexpected, uh, things we got to, to, to solve, but, uh, but I'm really excited about the platform that we're building, uh, for our clients and, you know, and, and for folks that have been doing it themselves or, or folks who have an advisor, um, who. Who really don't talk about the planning piece of it? I think that's what we. I think that's the the value that we add the most. Neil is is really the planning. It's you know the S and P five hundred index or Tesla or whatever your flavor of stock is. You know, what I mean, if I'm being totally honest, <clears throat> you know, you can buy the same stuff on on Robinhood, which you know they're ipoing today, which is some big news too. You can buy the same stuff on you know Robinhood or your Fidelity account or Schwab or, or sometimes even in your 401k, um, you know, at work, but that's, so that's not the value that, that we add. And a lot of, a lot of people want to look at us and say, you know, oh, you guys, you know, all you do is manage investments. Well, we do that too. And I think we do a really good job, um, you know, at, at the balance and the mix in our clients portfolios and adding stocks when it's beneficial and pulling them out when it's, you know, when there's a little bit of pain ahead of us and adding in hedges and those things. But really the value is, Is helping people visually see that they are on track or the decision that you're trying to make, whether it's, you know, uh, retire early or, you know, buy a second home, or do we have enough to send the kids to school, helping, you know, model out those decisions and see the impact, you know, on the portfolio before that decision is made. That's where we, that's where we earn our, our keep. And that's the value that we add to our clients. So, you know, if you're out there and you've been doing it yourself and you've just been doing the investment management piece, but you have no idea whether you're on track or not for, you know, any of your life goals as it relates to your financial life, which is like the wet part of the ocean. So, uh it touches everything. Or if you have an advisor that uh, you know, just doesn't do the plan- the planning component or doesn't understand the planning component or doesn't have the tools to do it, uh give us a call 601-957-0323. Uh you can check us out uh on the web too at www.mypinnwealth.com. Uh, and you can get us through email info at mypinnwealth.com.
1: All right. So you were telling me about uh, GDP and, and it didn't come back the way that people had anticipated that it would and what that might do with interest rates. There's the super first grade version of what you were telling me. So now go ahead and, and fill the people in.
2: Yeah. I'm Well, I'm still going to give the kindergarten version, uh, you know, on <laughs> for our listeners, because most people, you know, don't really the GDP is made up of a lot of different things. And it's essentially kind of essentially the health and growth of our country's economy in the most basic sense. And that's really all we need to to understand, you know, for this conversation. But so second quarter GDP numbers were released today. And uh, the analyst estimates were going to be that we grew, you know, by 8.4% year over year. So just meaning that they looked back 12 months ago and that the economy has grown, you know, by eight eight 8.4%, you know, if we had four consecutive quarters. So uh, what it actually came in at was slightly below, not slightly, it was a pretty big miss, uh, you know, at around 6.5%, um, which there's, you know, people might go, oh my gosh, you know, we're we're in bad shape. That doesn't really mean that we're in bad shape. It means we just didn't grow as fast as, you know, analysts had had expected. Uh, you know, and labor's probably a decent, decent chunk of of that number. I haven't dug into the numbers, so I'm I'm not gonna comment on what it's made up of today. Um, and I can do that and look in and if it makes sense for another show, we can talk about it. But one of the things, you know, as we talk about on on the show a lot is what, you know, whatever the fed does with interest rates is such a huge driver for investments, um, you know, in your retirement account. So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, working and all you have is a 401k that you're contributing to this, this impacts your 401k. It impacts, it impacts everything. Or if you're, you know, super wealthy guy that, you know, has tons of money in cash that, you know, that they're investing not inside of a 401k, it, it has an impact on, on everyone. So one of the big things that was this week too was uh you know there was a Fed there was a Fed meeting and uh Powell came out and the language had changed a little bit um this meeting from last meeting. And the term that they use that people might hear is hawkish. And what that means, you'll hear two words, dovish or hawkish. Dovish meaning that um that they're really they're gonna be more accommodating to interest rate policy or they're they're not going to raise rates for just the kindergarten version hawkish means like a little bit more aggressive. So think about the birds. Dove is less aggressive, you know, kind of a peaceful bird. Uh, hawk is definitely a bird of prey. You know, it's a predator. It's a, it's aggressive. Um, and when you hear what the term hawkish tone, that just means that they're looking at, they're considering raising rates or, you know, restricting, uh, you know, easing quantitative easing. So, I also just used another word where people are like, what the hell did he just say? It's a technical term, but it is a term that you hear a lot. But anyway, all that really means is our interest rates going to go up or interest rates going to stay the same. The fed came out and said, Hey, we are going to keep rates where they are. But they did say that they might begin having conversations about a term that's called tapering. And so, I'm going to give you the kindergarten version of that, too. So a lot of people just pay attention to, um, you know, whether the Fed is going to raise rates, keep rates the same or drop them. Uh, Another tool that they have in their belt they've been using since 2008 is called um, is the balance sheet. And it's uh, they have bought they've been a big buyer of U.S. government treasuries or U.S. government bonds, which has the same impact of, you know, of of uh, of keeping rates low. And so what they've talked about doing is they're going to start buying less treasuries so that there's, you know, there's not the demand for those bonds. Um not that they'll be less, but the the Fed's not going to be a big buyer of it. So it's kind of like a seesaw when you're a little kid. You know, we just talked about supply and demand. So as as demand for something, you know, is going to go down, uh the price of that is generally going to go down. Well, so with with bonds and interest rates, it's like a, like the a seesaw when you're a little kid. If the price goes down, then interest rates on those bonds are going to go up the opposite direction. So stick with me through the visual here. So if the Fed is saying, "Hey, we're going to start buying less," then that means that we don't have that big buyer. The demand's going to you know potentially go down a little bit. Prices are going to go down a little bit, and interest rates will start on the long side start going up. So there's two tools that they use. And they said they might start talking about buying less bonds. So that would have an impact of, of rising rates kind of organically versus their very direct impact of raising the short-term rates. So now I just threw up all over you and our listeners and um, I'm going to pull this back to the GDP. Yeah, Because there's a, I'm reading from the wall street journal here, just a headline U
1: S economy grows beyond pre pandemic level. Jobless claims resumed decline last week. Stocks creep up after GDP data. It says U.S. GDP grew at 6.5% annual rate in the second quarter, up slightly from earlier in the year. The economy's size now exceeds its pre-pandemic level.
2: Yeah. So what that can mean, too, is there used to be a saying, like, in 2008, nine, 9, and 10, that bad news was good news for stocks because if there was bad news about the economy the fed was going to keep rates low which is good for stocks okay so i understand that same principle is going to kind of apply here so if if gdp estimates were at 8.4% and they came in at 6.5 i imagine the fed's looking at that going oh well i mean we're still on a good footing but we still missed what we thought we were going to be so we're not quite there yet so they're so that that would lead me to believe they're going to say, well, maybe it's not time to start raising rates yet. And maybe that gives them a little bit more of a delay in raising rates, which in turn is good for stocks to continue to go up. So I said all of that to say that bad news could still be good news for stocks. So meaning if the, if GDP would have been 8.4, right? And if it would have come in at 10, what probably would have happened was the Fed would go, gosh, well, we're ahead, of, we're ahead of pace, so maybe we do need to go ahead and start letting, you know, some of the interest rates creep up or, or taper even faster on bond purchasings, which would end up short-term, you know, causing a pullback in, in markets. So, kindergarten econo- economics 101, bad equals good for stocks. GDP misses equals potentially good for stocks you know, Fed, the Fed meeting just happened. They said they weren't going to raise rates on the, in the near term, but they could start the tapering. Maybe they don't, maybe we continue. And I mean, I think we're still in the, you know, in the early business cycle of, of recovery too. So, you know, I said all that to say, if you got a 401k and you're thinking about cashing out your stocks and going to cash, don't do it. Just, just let them go. even, Even if your belly's telling you to, you know, go to cash. Don't do it. Just keep stocks in the portfolio. Keep a balanced portfolio. Don't make emotional decisions because the markets can stay totally irrational longer than you and I can stay solvent or keep, you know, keep our money in our pockets. Boom. You can quote me on that one. I will quote you on that. That's what I've done. I
1: just kind of keep riding it out, you know, I mean, you you see people kind of panic and all that stuff. And
2: And it sounds elementary, right? And I think a lot of times people expect us at Pinnacle or your advisor, not even just Pinnacle, your advisor to be like these day traders, right? Where it's like, you know, oh, we get these little swings in different sectors of the market and, you know, oh, you should be doing that. And really our job is to, to eliminate the emotional aspect of of money, and most people don't think about you know. Most people are like, oh, I'm not, I don't have any emotions towards money. Ch- yeah, you do. Everyone does. Let your portfolio fall twenty percent, and you know, if you have a hundred thousand dollars in your four hundred one k, and you open it up and it's eighty thousand, tell me that doesn't make your belly? Because if it doesn't, like, I want to hire you here because I, I need like emotionally detached people to make decisions, you know, for for our clients. Because that's that's the hardest part of this is not making emotional decisions. And if you don't have a philosophy or a process, I don't know how you do it. Cause hell, it was tough in February of, of 2020 when literally the sky was falling in the markets. And I was like, Oh my God. You know, it's like every day you come in and it's just more blood, more blood, more blood, but generally that's good times to buy. So that sounds really, really well, like evil. You, you know, but. it's,
1: it's interesting because there's, there's so much out there right now about, the delta variant the state and federal medical officials are trying to scare the hell out of everybody lots of right lots of uh blame and scapegoating happening i mean it's it's disgraceful frankly uh but that's that's my commentary but back to the real thing they've cdc recommending um the the whole mask mandate again people are getting worried that, uh-oh, here we go, back. we're heading towards a lockdown again. And for the record, I don't think we are.
2: I, 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 for the record, me either, man. Uh, it, was a, it was a failure. And, a dramatic know, and I failure. And, to, and, and, you know, know not to interrupt you, I
1: was just going to finish this quick little thought, then I'll, I'll hand yeah, it to you. What I was yeah. going to say was, I, I think what you see now is, 18 months later, far more people. Like, it happened in my community just this past week with the mask thing. Far more people are like, nope, 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 nope. Going to talk this time. Going to speak up this time. I, I watched. I, I, I acquiesced a year ago. I won't now. And I, that's why I think if you if you try to, uh, and you'll see, I mean, here we go again, right? Blue state, red state. I think you'll see some blue states do it because for whatever reason, they just don't care what happens to people. They don't care. But in states like this one, as much as it drives Thomas Dobbs crazy, I just think people are saying, "Nope, not doing it, not 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 putting on a mask, not shutting down, not doing it. It's not going to happen." And so, th- th- there's this fear out there among people that the economy is going to shut down again, like it did in March, April of 2020. And I don't think that's the case.
2: Mm-mm. Well, it it wasn't effective. It it did not do anything to quote unquote flatten the curve or what was it? They were, I can't even remember all of them now. It's a wrinkle in time, uh, 14 days to flatten the curve or whatever. I can't remember what it was. So now I understand there's still healthcare issues, stuff or health issue issues that are happening with, with Rona. Like I get it there. It's still there. It's still, it's still around. It's mutated. It's changed. Okay. I understand that, but yes, the fear of the lockdown is, is totally unfounded because the costs will f- so much f- outweighed the, the benefit of, of the lockdown that it, it, and it's just not, it doesn't make sense. And okay. We were, you know, almost two years or our 18 months removed from, from that event. And we've learned a lot since then. Right. And if this thing, you know, does, if we have wave four or whatever they're calling it. And I totally missed wave three. I have no idea where wave three. Maybe that was not just not in the U S maybe they're talking about global waves. Yeah. I don't know, uh, but it didn't work. Like an economic lockdown didn't work. And I understand they're like, Oh, well, this one is, you know, even worse. And there's more, you get it faster or whatever. I don't know. but Okay. Well, you know, let let's, let's, let's not murder our economy again and go even deeper into debt to try to to solve a problem that was not a problem, you know, as we've come to find out, you know, sending people home to not work doesn't made no sense. Just can't happen again. And I don't see the, I just don't see the case for it. So. No, I don't think people will take it.
1: Um, I mean, I'll tell you this quick little story, just, it's an anecdote, but I saw it play out in my life in this town. And I know this is going to shock you, Martin, but I've made more enemies in Oxford. It's it's amazing. Didn't think I could make more enemies, and here I have. Although I'm proud of it this time because I feel like all I did was kind of step up for sanity and my kid. But I got vocal about the mask thing in schools. I'm on record. I don't think they work. I don't think masks work in a school setting. The way that they are employed, I don't think they're effective at all. Uh, If anything, I think they're completely ineffective. And if anything, I think they're more of a detriment than they are anything else. When people say it's a mild inconvenience, I love that. Oh, it's a mild inconvenience. No, no, a mild inconvenience is having to put a mask on for 15 minutes to run into Walgreens. Asking young people who you're trying to educate. Again, they're going to school to learn. Asking them to put a mask on at 7.50 a.m. And not take it off until 3.20 p.m. Moving from class to class. Going to the bathroom. Think about that for a minute. We all go to the bathroom. You mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. They're around other people. They are um sometimes in gym class, which means they you know get hot um, they go to lunch, they have to take it off to eat, so they're they're breathing the air then anyway. The idea is nonsensical, and what I noticed was the pushback from the the people who were pro mask mandates was more and more the more you pressed them. The more that the answer was, well, see, here's the thing. And I'm trying not to use like the soft voice because I, I don't want to just make fun, although I do want to make fun. But the answer was, well, if some kids don't have to wear a mask and others do, those kids are going to get bullied. Number one, I don't think they would get bullied. But number two, okay. So what you're saying is more and more. You're saying this is about feelings. You're worried that if the, there's no mask mandate, that a lot of kids won't wear a mask, and the kids who do wear a mask will be uh, made fun of. So now we're not talking about science. We're not. We're not doing the hey, you know you my mask protects you, your mask protects me thing anymore. We're not doing that anymore. We're talking about feelings now. And a year later, you've had five teachers, because for last year it was, oh, we got to protect the teachers. No, the kids don't die from this, but teachers do, so we got to protect the teachers. Well, the teachers have had five months to get vaccinated. And they can still wear a mask. And my attitude was, look, we've had time. We We know the data. We know the truth. I'm for optional masking. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want your child to wear a mask, he or she can wear a mask. But if you don't want to wear a mask or you don't feel like you need to wear a mask because you have antibodies or because you're vaccinated or whatever or because you just don't think they work, okay, cool. Let's get on with the the, the process of educating. And what I found, Martin, was the more that I challenged people. I posted that on – I sent a letter to the, the – uh superintendent who responded with thank you for your um uh, your letter and he made a comment that you know I I um I want to hear from as many people as I can I want to hear from as many stakeholders as I can which I thought okay first of all good for you it means you're doing your job he's a new superintendent he seems very impressive um and I challenged people on facebook I said hey speak up. And I can't tell you how many people kind of sent me things like, I just don't feel comfortable saying something. And I said, well, you know, I mean, if you're not willing to fight for your kids, who are you willing to fight for? And all of a sudden, some of the people who had been kind of timid about speaking up because of their employment, because of friendships, I told some people, you know, hey, you might not get invited to the Christmas party that you've always gotten invited to before. Some people might block your number. Some people might Defriend you on social media. There might be repercussions. But if you believe in this. Speak up. And a lot of people did. And they voted to keep mask optional. And. When the CDC came out the next day with this. You know there was a lot of pushback from the other side of it. Well we got to do it now. And To to this point. Oxford appears no we're not going to do that. We're going to keep it. um, We're going to keep it optional. And. That's the difference in a year. A year ago, a year ago, I don't think my campaign would have been successful. And don't get me wrong; I'm not the one, Martin, that, that deserves credit for this. I'm not. There were lots of other people who were more vocal than I was. But uh, a year ago, people weren't vocal. I think now people are. I, I, I just people get mad when I say these words. I, I think it's over. I think we're at a place where people can make decisions you can make a decision about vaccines i've i have dealt with my daughter one of my daughters about the vaccine i talked to one of her friends parents just today about the vaccine and i think people have decided hey you know what we're ready to get it now wanted to get more time to get educated that yeah. it really bothers me when people go oh you you should just go get it no listen if you're in a if you're in a demographic where you are not at risk really you have time. And taking that time to make a decision about what you inject into your body, I, I I think that's your prerogative. I respect it. I do too. And um I think that's what's happened. Now, at the same time, the administration continues to just talk. Um I just I don't know. I'm long winded here. I I think we've gotten to a place where people are, are it's not even about standing up for your rights i think it's people are okay wait a minute i'm i'm not sure that i believe you anymore and i'm going to i'm going to educate myself and that's a good thing i i think the pandemic basically martin i do the people hate this word i think it's over
2: yeah I, uh, I i agree with i'm on your in on your side of of the argument here that that the the, the pandemic and and I don't know maybe from a technical standpoint, I don't know but I'm just what I'm saying is I think the fear piece of this is is behind us, you know we're and we even talked i mean we've talked about this with even with Alan, you know way back last year that in his you know i think it was summertime last year the last time he was on, and he said uh he thought it would just be something we would just have to coexist with and that it would mutate, and uh we would have um You know, the same kind of the same thing with the flu where, you know, you might have different strands of it each year and you're just going to coexist with it. And people, just like with flu, there are people who choose to not get the flu shot and people who choose to do it. But, you know, we haven't made these huge deals about folks who choose not to get the flu shot, you know, and we don't make a big deal about the people who do choose to get the flu shot it's it has always just kind of been a a personal choice and and i think that's where you know some of the sense since oh my goodness sensation of of this of covid will kind of start dying down and people and it'll just become you know another you booster shot that you get each year if you get it and if you don't you don't and Life goes on, there'll be years, I mean, just like dude, we had it there were years when flu was worse than other years, and we had more people getting sick, and we just never made a huge massive deal about it, um like we have with this, and i'm I'm kind of saying, I'm kind of glad to see some normalization uh you know amongst rational people where they're saying, hey i'm gonna make I've had time to make a decision on my own, and you know now I'm gonna start being vocal about. What i you know what i want and and I think that's the great thing about our country too is people have the freedom of choice you absolutely know?
1: well i you know I, I think if I think if there had been a measured approach to this from the federal and state level instead of this guilt thing and and, and this fear there's just the propagating of fear is remarkable you know, to me. I, I think had they approached it. From a, hey, we're going to communicate. There's a lot here. Some people, some of you, some of you are at real risk. And here's who is at real risk. Some of you have more time to evaluate things because you're not at risk at this moment. That's measured. Now, we live in this little society now where you can't say things like that because you might hurt someone's feelings. But this was a, This was a situation where maybe some feelings had to be hurt. And it didn't go that way. It didn't go that way. And look today at, oh gosh, y'all, the Delta variant and the hospitals. Instead of just saying the hospitals are full, what are they full with? What is the age breakdown? What's the sex breakdown? What's the race breakdown? What is the comorbidity breakdown? So that, hey, if I'm is, I mean, how much, now there's a pushback from the far left about people talking about weight, even though obesity and age remain the two biggest factors. Even though that's the facts, they don't want to do that. You don't see that in the breakdowns. And that's where the, I've said this repeatedly, that when you lose the public trust and, I hate to break it to Fauci and Dobbs, but you've lost the public trust. I don't believe anything they say. When you lose the public trust, it does two things. One, it creates fear. And then worse, and this is where I criticize the far right, it opens up the the giant conspiracy theories. It makes them more believable, even though they're complete and utter BS it makes them more believable because you don't trust the people that you're supposed to be able to trust because they've lost that trust
2: yeah you know and and i do think the extremes on both sides through this whole process have been the most ear piercing uh and i think i think a lot of folks have have gotten to the point of muting you know both sides Uh, and I think that's, I mean, that's what probably generally happens in most cases anyway. And, and, you know, the, the, as they call it middle America, and I'm not meaning like geographically, but people who are in between the extremes will just stop and start thinking for themselves. And I think that's where we are now with this whole deal is people are, you know, are thinking for themselves and making decisions for themselves and. And I think too, you know, kind of rolling this back to the economy with COVID, if there was this demand from the ivory tower of, you know, we are locking down and we're 14 days to flatten the curve, I think that the bulk of America is going to say, you can take that and shove it right in the rear end, man, because we're not doing that again. Agreed. And then there will be some people that that want it, you know, there's going to be those folks. And, and I think they're the, those are the extremes, man. And I just think the, the rational part of America, you know, we're learning how to cope and deal with and live and coexist with this thing. And, and has it had an impact on the economy? Yeah, it has had an impact. And it's still having some impact in the economy just from, you know, you look at supply chain issues, um, you know, out of, out of the globe, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we need to make things come out of really resource rich areas, um, you know, that, that don't have the, you know, where we don't, they don't have the freedoms we have, or they don't have, or they've been impacted really bad by, you know, by the virus. And we're seeing that ripple through the world and it's taking longer than I thought it would take. Honestly, man, I, I thought we would kind of be, I thought supply chains would be fully rocking and rolling again, you know, by now. And, and they're not, um, I think there's, you know, They'll gradually get there. This is not going to last forever.
1: Funny thing you say that this is Wall Street Journal says toy makers scramble as shipping snarls threaten to spoil Christmas. Hard to believe isn't it. Hard to believe that we're already talking about Christmas, but it's almost August and you know, it won't be long before you know how this works. We have a football season. The kids go back to school. Then before you know it, it's like Halloween and then boom, it's Thanksgiving. And then you're like, oh my God says log jams at seaports around the world are leaving some American toy companies scrambling this summer to ensure sufficient supply will reach retail shelves come this year's holiday shopping season. The toys that arrive in time will likely carry higher prices. Hasbro Incorporated, Mattel Incorporated, and other manufacturers say they are navigating supply chain disruptions and rising costs for material and labor, leading them to raise prices to recoup some of the added cost, toy and industry veterans say this year's disruption is worse than last year when the COVID-19 outbreak temporarily shut many ports, factories, and stores. In 2020, we thought it couldn't get any worse, and 2021 said, "Hold my beer," said Joshua Lorzel, <laughs> vice president of sales and marketing for Hog Wild LLC, a small toy company based in Oregon.
2: Yeah, and so I, and and I haven't read that article, and that's. I'm kind of curious and cause I don't know the answer to this. Um, what's the deal in the ports? What, I mean, what's the log jam and port is it late? Is it a labor issue? That or? would be my assumption is that it's, it's, it's like it is in so many other industries
1: right now. It's, it's a, um, a difficulty in getting labor to come back to work.
2: Yeah. To, to be able to run the cranes, to pick the, you know, the boxes or the, the, uh, not boxes, the, the
1: shipping by the, the big crates, containers. yeah, the, the big crates and stuff. Yeah, sure. The the yeah the the,
2: the big like they look like uh, box cars from. Oh, I thought you were talking about the cranes. My bad. <laughs> you went you went to the box cars, and I'm good at Star Wars. Uh, very typical nerd comment of mine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's the only thing I could think of is it would have to be that has to be in labor, man, because if you have ships with stuff. Sitting in the port, and they're saying, you know, we're worried we're not going to be able to get that stuff from those ships to our stores. You know, you just kind of, we can logically follow the order as someone has to be operating the crane to get those containers off of the ship into the port. I'm sure there are someone in the port that has to inspect those things and make sure that they're not, you know, toys or fake, you know, or thinking it's toys and it's a, you know, container full of heroin or narcotics or whatever. And then those things, I mean, I'm sure they get moved to a distribution facility somewhere in the coast and then it's either a train or a truck, right, that picks them up and moves them regionally to another distribution center where then a, you know, a a smaller vehicle, maybe an 18-wheeler or a UPS size vehicle moves them to you know a warehouse for a distributor like a toy store. And then from the toy store warehouse, it gets into the stores. I mean, that's kind of, I just go the logical, you know, step-by-step there. And that's all labor. That's not materials. I mean, it has to be labor. I mean, and why issue? Well, because we shut our economy down and we paid people to stay home. And some of those States, well, those don't roll off until September, right? In some states, yeah. That- that's
1: that's that's fact, Make- yeah. And, and they might get extended. You know, um, Biden, for example, is asking Congress to extend federal moratorium on evictions. I mean, that that that's kind of the next big fight back from a government standpoint. Is how lo- how much longer do we continue? And I say we. How much longer does the government continue to provide the extra subsidies? Yeah. To people, how much how much longer until the government says, OK, it's time to go back to work.
2: Yeah. You know, and
1: and and the I'm answer gonna, to that, I'm going to be honest with you, I think, frankly, and I, I hate to say this, I think the answer is not before the 2022 midterms.
2: Yeah. Well, gosh, we haven't talked midterms. And I mean, we're about the campaigning is going to be beginning soon if it hadn't already well it's certainly a topic for next week for example because i think i I think we
1: could dive into that next week about how these are going to be the issues not even the races but the issues that are going
2: to shape midterms yeah i mean you're not wrong so real quick too before because i'm an add and i know we're bumping up on you have a hard stop so when you're talking about the moratorium it just i flashed back to two days ago i had lunch with one of my real good buddies um, you know, here. And normally, like with our days, I haven't been able to break away and go have lunch, but I had a meeting reschedule. And anyway, we, it worked out for both of us. And uh, he has um, rental properties, like he manages or he owns and manages rental properties. That's his business. And uh, he has, you know, a couple of like duplexes and then homes. And he was sharing with me, you know, how much of a struggle it's been for him because of the moratorium on, you know, eviction. And he said that, you know, most of his people are doing right, but he has several that, um, that have not paid a dime, you know, in more than a year. And, uh, and he's of course been unable to, to evict. And, uh, but his, you know, his mortgage on, or his loans on those properties, you know, he's had to, you know, to continue to service so that, you know, he doesn't lose the, the, the property, you know, and I think a lot of people, maybe when they're, when they're thinking about, you know, someone who rents a place from someone, I think a lot of people think that those are like big, bad companies that are, that own all of these rental properties. And in some cases it is, you know, large businesses or large companies that own rental properties. But I, I would bet that a large chunk of the rentals that are out there are owned by you know, an individual that has a small portfolio of rental properties and that's, that's their business. And man, that's an impact into, you know, into, into your neighbor's pockets. It's not, you know, some ivory tower in New York that, you know, has an endless supply of money and, you know, the right last name. But I mean, he was talking about, it has been a struggle for, um, you know, for him and, you know, and his family has had to do without a little bit just because of, this, this moratorium that he's got his hands locked. He cannot do anything and he can't get a paying tenant either. And, um, anyway, man, that was just a rabbit hole. So it, you know, that stuff impacts a lot of folks and it's not just, you know, right-wing conservatives saying, Oh, we should, you know, hurt everyone. And all we do is think about money, 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 money. And how do we get more? It's, I mean, this has impacts in your neighbor's lives too. Absolutely does. Hey, great stuff. We'll um,
1: we have a have a topic to talk about next week, so we'll give it some <laughs> thought. We'll we'll talk about take an early look at some of the issues that, at least as of today, look like they'll be on voters' minds when they go to the ballot box next year. There you go. You're gonna make me do a little bit of research, man. Well, it's gonna make me do some too, because it's right. yeah, you know, it's a hard thing to predict exactly, but I think you can see some trends. And so I I think we can touch on some things. You can bet that uh, I'll reach out to a couple of people I know get some thoughts where I can be somewhat educated on it.
2: There you go. I'll play the village idiot on our next show.
1: Well, you're (laughs) going to have a hard time playing a better village idiot than me. So good luck.
2: I'm going to give it a shot, man. You're really good at that. stuff. I am really good at being the idiot. No doubt.
1: Hey, uh, Martin, thanks, thanks so much for the time. Uh, it's always fun to be with you. Hope, uh, thanks to everyone for making us a part of your week. We'll be back uh, next week with another edition of Mind on Your Money. For uh, Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Don't forget to get in touch with the people at Pinnacle. To learn more, Martin, again, what's that web address?
2: Uh, www.mypinwealth.com.
1: My P I N N com for the people at Pinnacle. to so do that. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. Take care.